0: Like we have one life to live, and you get X amount of time. We don't know how much time we have, and if you do the math on that, so as a tattoo artist, my shop rate is $200 an hour. You know that's it's really good money, and I work a lot. My wife's got me booked out till the end of next summer, sometime. So it's it's uh, it's a waiting list for sure. My life is worth so much more than $200 an hour. As is yours, as everybody's is, because if you actually do the math backwards and you go, okay, if I had 40 or 50 or 60 years, how much you make per per day? Let's say. Um, you might be a few million dollars but man if you could buy one more day when it's your last how much would that be worth you know what i mean or one more year or 10 more years to do what you really love and i find too many people don't get to do what they love they get to do what they have to do and they forget about the thing they love and i'm maybe maybe i'm a a sucker for punishment but i can't let myself go through this life not experiencing things that i love more than uh, the things that it takes to to make money to just pay a light bill or whatever right so
1: Hey there, go-getters. I'm Mikey Vashiu, host of Busy Done Better, the podcast designed to help you embrace and enjoy your busy work life. A programmer since the age of 12, my journey has taken me from an employee to business owner and founder of Booked In Online Scheduling. But I'm not here to brag about my success or sell you my 10-step plan. The truth is, on many days, I still struggle to keep it all together. Wearing too many hats, having to leave when I don't feel like a leader, solving problems I know little about, struggling to be present with family when all I can do is think about work. Whether you're running a $10 million company, a small business, or working a demanding job, you're likely familiar with these challenges. On this podcast, we examine the dark side of business life, significance of mental health, dynamics of remote work, and the ever-changing meaning of work-life balance, and hopefully make your busy and hectic day a little more interesting and enjoyable. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of talking with Joel Lee, a tattoo artist, country music singer, guitar maker, painter and devoted family man. Joel's passion for life and spiritual perspective is what keeps him going and keeps him very busy. Joel lives to pursue his passions, of which there are many. A self-taught man, constant thinker and tinkerer, Joel has multiple music, artistic and construction projects on the go at all times. All this while owning and operating a busy tattoo shop and spending time with his wife, three children, and three grandchildren. How does he do it? He treats his time as his most valuable currency rather than money. This simple yet powerful principle allows him to pursue his hobbies and spend time with the people he loves. So tune in and get to know the man behind the needle, his country music ambitions, his rock and roll history, and unique perspective on tattooing and life. Hey Joel, welcome to the uh, Busy Dumb Better podcast. Thanks for thanks, uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, to do this. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, I did a little bit of googling about you, and the first thing I kind of want to ask is uh, you you got a lot of things going on. You're a country country musician. You run a tattoo business. You've got uh, two two kids, three kids. I
0: have three kids. They're all adults now. I okay. Okay. Three grandkids. <laughs> yeah. three grandkids oh three grandkids. wow yeah. yeah yeah did you release your new single that's coming up december 1st um so december 1st it's song is called sad country song and uh that drops december 1st pretty, pretty excited about this one you know what i mean it's not the usual that i do usually it's quite upbeat this is sort of a mid-tempo song and it's uh okay so it's an it's really uh it's country but it's it's more modern that's for sure yeah okay
1: i did i i actually listened to some of your uh some of your songs that are uh yeah I, it was a lot of fun like You've been uh, you've been a musician for for quite a while. I I've read somewhere that you had a rock band with your sons. uh, That's right, yeah, a while ago.
0: Braden Marshall and uh, my uh, my oldest son's name is Marshall. My youngest son's name is Braden. Uh, Marshall was my bass player, and Braden was my drummer, and we toured as a father and son trio. I was a singer front man, and uh, man, we played some killer stages with that band. I really miss that uh, that time in my life with those two boys they both started braden was about 13 when we started that um and we toured for about 10 years um got to record with guys like mike fraser and jeff dawson and, and you know brian adams studio just incredible time wow yeah yeah wow. So we did pretty well with that with the braden marshall thing and uh and then the um they wanted a bit of a break their whole teenage life was basically playing music with their dad right it was it was just rock music so kind of foo fighters and incubus kind of a vibe going on there um but they wanted a break so i wanted to do country music my dad was a country singer so i thought you know what i'm gonna go back to my roots a little bit and and, uh, and play country music and now my son who's a drummer brayden he's still my drummer to this day so we still play together which is amazing i wish my other son would still play because he's such a great player but uh he's he's got a son of his own now and a daughter now too so <laughs> his life is busy yeah
1: yeah yeah well i mean there's there's always tomorrow right like that's know, right know. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> So what did
1: you do during a time so you were you were touring with your yeah. sons yeah. um were you, was that your main source of income or were you also doing tattoo already at that time No
0: I was uh, I've been in construction for most of my life uh, oh, so my okay. dad a jack of all trades so with that comes uh the ability to do a lot of different things so I've been everything from uh a sign maker fiberglass or welder fabricator to Siding guy and window installations. I started my own commercial construction company um, 20 years ago, I guess. And uh, my sons, as when they were young, they worked for me as well. So I taught, was able to teach them, uh, you know, the trades as well. Yeah, um, the whole time while we're doing that, we're still rehearsing. We used to rehearse uh, four days a week, four hours per rehearsal. And then we would be weekends from here to Regina to, I was in Halifax, all over the country, you know. So it was like, I would work to have time. A lot of people work for money. I work for time. So for me, my passions mean more to me than money. I've just been able to make some money with my passions, which has been fabulous. So I can keep doing it, you know. So, but yeah, no, we worked uh, construction uh, that whole time as well. The tattoo thing came online about uh, about almost 10 years ago now, you know. that was kind of a mistake I've been an artist my whole life as a painter in my uh my youth and then in my 20s I was selling art in galleries but then I had kids and I went can I support a family on painting you know what I mean or the kind of life that I want to give right so that's when I really got into construction things so um because that that's real money right now you know and um did that uh raised my family on that for you know 20 years or so or more and then uh and like I said, the tattoo thing just fell into my lap. My nephew wanted to be a tattoo artist and he needed some help with the art. So I started helping him and uh, bought a tattoo machine. And uh, honestly, my kids were of age at this point, uh, but I started tattooing them and my wife, and my friends and stuff like that. It took about a month and I went from not tattooing really anybody to tattooing uh, and booking further and further out. But the band really helped because I had a lot of followers with the band. Mm, I, was tattooing right. and I had yeah. a client base to start. So it went really, really fast for me. Which is a great thing about Booked In because when you get real busy, you need to <laughs> take care of your stuff. And yeah, bit of a shameless plug for Booked In, but it works <laughs> it's great. is a great software. Everybody we use it loves it. They love the reminders, all that stuff. So there you go. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no,
1: we uh, we work really hard to keep it simple. There's, I mean, there's a lot of competitors. They do a lot of things. I just when I look at competitors, they're I myself, knowing the industry very well, could just struggled to figure out how to use half of these tools. So, you know, yeah. I want to go back to something you said uh, just a few minutes ago about working for time. You work for time, not for money generally. Yes. So th- that's really interesting. Um, can you just kind of elaborate on that? Why what
0: why 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 is that your approach? Um, I, I feel like we have one life to live, and honestly, it's a it's a bit um it's a little bit spiritual, I guess. Uh i I believe god gave me talent so there's i mean and it's not an egotistical thing to say or or at all meant to be that way but there's not much that I can't do. You know, I mean, I always believe that if I put my hand to it and some hard work, I can do it. But when you have that mindset, you know, the world becomes your oyster and you start to get an interest in all kinds of things. So your time goes away. And especially with raising a young family and working, 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 I'll, I worked because you need to, everybody needs to work if you want to eat kind of thing. Right. But what makes me really happy is painting, carving, building it. I build guitars. I've built guitars. Some of them are all around the world. So I mean, there's many things that I love to do, but it takes time and I never have the mm-hmm. time to do those things that I'm passionate about. So so when i work uh, especially in construction i would do a big commercial project uh, i was work on that job for six to eight months and i wasn't working for the big paycheck i mean obviously i was because you know you had to pay the bills but for me it was about okay once i finished that six or eight month long project i literally took two months off so i could build guitars record music write songs and all these things to my wife's dismay i mean she might have the most supportive wife she's incredible her name is peace and she's an incredible woman but she understands it about me. So she doesn't try to take that out of my life. She understands, okay, well, work your ass off, part of my French. And um, if you have the time and the finances are in place, do whatever you want. And so that's what I would do. So literally, I would work for the 68 months say, okay, I've got a two-month window or a month and a half or even a month. And I would just, write. if that was what I was into at that moment, I'd write and record. Or if I was building guitars, I would spend two weeks in my shop and she would literally just about slip food under the door because I wouldn't be in there all day, all night um, and built some nice guitars. I think I had, there's one right here, actually. I don't know if you can see this guitar here. Um, I made oh, that the, years ago. So.
1: Wow. I, I actually play guitar myself. Dude, uh, yeah. I, yeah, a Bit of an amateur, but yeah, I picked it up when I was 16 and just kind of, yeah. you know, camp campfire type of uh, yeah. guitar. I never really got into bands. Yeah. I had a lot of friends in bands, but um, yeah. It's probably one of, if not the most relaxing is the easiest word I can use. Um, yeah. Just an instant release. Uh, yeah, I sit sure. down, I play guitar, like everything just leaves. Like, all the stress, leaves. everything yeah. just leaves. Yeah. Now my daughter is actually, she's, her main passion is musical theater, but she's also been playing piano for quite a while yeah. and she's a singer. So she loves singing. So now, well, we don't do it often enough um but we will we, sometimes we'll get together and just kind of jam out on a Saturday Yeah a little and, bit Yeah yeah I played a little bit of sports too growing up and never anything serious is just very amateur but just just having enough I, I also like to do a little bit of a lot of different things Yeah yeah and so I can relate to the buying time thing Yeah yeah uh for me the business has been more about my passion and I've had sort of businesses before that too but yeah it's about buying time and mm-hmm. and now that i get to share these things with my kids i uh, i kind of realized that that's kind of what it was all about in the beginning anyways sure learning all these things so that you can then either pass on or share them with your with your kids yeah. And, yeah. and others so he has a way to just
0: hundred make- percent i, I- Yeah, I think that is, you know, in a nutshell, because I tend to, I'm a, I'm a rambler too. So when I talk, especially in interviews and stuff like that, I, I, I tend to say way more than I probably need to, but I guess the whole nutshell, the whole thing is like, we have one life to live and you get X amount of time. We don't know how much time we have. And if you do the math on that, so as a tattoo artist, my shop raised $200 an hour. You know, that's it's really good money. And I work a lot. My wife's got me booked out till the end of next summer sometime. So it's, it's, uh, it's a waiting list for sure. My life is worth so much more than $200 an hour, as is yours, as everybody's is. Because if you guys should do the math backwards and you go, okay, if I had 40 or 50 or 60 years, how much you make per, per day, let's say, um, you might be a few million dollars, but man, if you could buy one more day when it's your last, how much would your lab be worth? You know what I mean? Or one more year or 10 more years to do what you really love. And mm. I find too many people don't get to do what they love. They get to do what they have to do when they forget about the thing they love. And, I'm maybe maybe I'm a sucker for punishment, but I can't let myself go through this life not experiencing things that I love more than uh, the things that it takes to to make money to just pay a light bill or whatever, right? So I think that's why the tools that we have in our lives to to make things more profitable are so important because like our lives are valuable. So if we have something again, and you'll find I'll find these little ways of doing this, but uh, and not just to plug book in, but if there's ways to make things more organized and make your life more streamlined. Um, you can make it more profitable. For me, it buys me more time. My wife is when my wife comes home, I don't want her working till 10 o'clock at night where we can't spend time together. Like that time Mm. was the most invaluable thing to me. You know what I mean? So I don't want her spent chasing emails and you know what I mean? All this kind of, it's it's nice to have her just have it done quickly. And then, Hey babe, we can watch our favorite show Yellowstone or whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
1: Uh, So, yeah, you mentioned your wife's been incredibly supportive. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm very lucky in that same uh, aspect. And there's, there's a portion of which understanding each other, right. That's mm-hmm. like pretty huge when the kids were young, uh, you know, there's that kind of, you got to just straight up provide, you know, your passions, you still keep them as much you can, but it's, more about you know you (laughs) guys because because you 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 like to do a lot of different things right uh and and so did you and your wife have an understanding about okay you know as long as these things are met yeah you can pursue your passions type of thing like was it a very clear understanding um between the two and how did you sort of navigate
0: yeah that's a really good question um I think the best way to answer that um my wife will follow me anywhere kind of thing right and I think it's a bit more of an old fashioned and I hate use "old fashion too, because people can, you know, they'll equate that with some old school man's the man and, and that's not it at all. It's, we understand each, like you said, we understand each other to, to a point where she understands who I am. Um, where she doesn't want to rob me she's such a, the most giving loving person you'll ever meet she really is very mm. selfless so for example if there's two cookies left on the tray for example she'll prefer that I have them both because she knows how much I love cookies rather than having one for herself you know what I mean Is she's that selfless so when it comes to what we're talking about now it's like she just wants me to have my best life and if I'm happy she's happy so which also flips it on my head because if that's the way she's for me I have to try and find a way to be the same for her you know what i mean so it's really mm. this relationship where she understands me and i understand her as well um so she makes the sacrifices you know and so i try to make the sacrifice for as, her as well and you know to be completely honest i don't always do a really good job of it because i get so caught up um in the things that i want need and want to do so for example i mean recording music is not an inexpensive thing to do i mean i work my butt off so i can afford to do these things but i know she would love to sit on a beach in mexico more You know what i mean like maybe twice a year she would love to go do that but I don't afford her to do that, you know, because of the expenses that I go into recording and the different things that I do a lot of. But but she also is able, she finds her way to okay, well, I'm not sitting on a beach in Mexico. So what she'll do is she'll find something that she likes to do around here, for example. So mm-hmm. she gives a lot. She sacrifices a heck of a lot, which is why I really like to see this song or songs that are released become hits. I had one, uh, this party and over, did really well in Canada. And the royalty royalties started
1: to I listened to that song. It was great. Thanks, man. Well, the world did yeah.
0: really, really well on that, so it paid for a lot of the recordings from not just that song, but in the past, the videos and all that stuff. So she was like, "Oh, there's, there's a real." feasibility to the music thing right so it's just team you know what i mean um she doesn't want to hold me back i don't want to hold her back uh, in fact she's an rn and so when she was going through school it was a lot of work i mean she and but it was supporting her because i want her you know if i wasn't here i wanted her to have something that sort of shaped her life and what she really liked and she's a very uh compassionate person so she fits the rn thing uh, registered nursing like a like a t so but i wanted her to have something that was peace do you know what i mean that's her identity in the sense of this is what she's contributed in her lifetime and she loves it so we found the balance. You know, there's been times where it's not been easy, where there is this like, Joe, you need to go to work. I'm like, you know, playing on a guitar neck. Yeah, babe, you, don't all <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and there's been times where there hasn't been a lot of money, but I think there, there's a great um, way to say it is there's been times where we've polyed in our living room. The wife and I and the three kids would pile in there in the winter months a couple of times um, where we didn't have money for the, you know, to heat the whole house and all that kind of stuff. But we lived in the living room together for a month during the coldest spell, had the time of our lives, wow. but I would never get, into we both talk about, we would never give it back because you got these little kids crawling over you. You're watching movies. I mean, it was the most incredible thing ever, but that's when you don't have that huge finance there. I think sometimes finance can rob us of the things that really are important. And it was beautiful. Right. So there, there was those lows. And then there was times where we took our whole family to Hawaii and, you know, maxed the credit cards and everybody had boogie boards hotel yeah. and you know what I mean? So there's, the the peaks and the valleys, but the the peaks feel so much better when there's valleys, right so I, I think our lives have just evolved into this rhythm of now it's time to to work and now it's time to play you know what I mean so we just yeah. always just always work you know so yeah
1: well what was you saying the peaks are uh only good when there's valleys that's for I sure mean, that's yeah. that's a great way to put it um, yeah. yeah and I think that's a great reminder when you are in a valley, right that mm-hmm nothing lasts forever right so That's if right. you're kind of in in a struggle phase or whatever it won't last forever and also if you're kind of riding high that won't last yeah. forever either right That's so right. it's just a constant roller coaster ride or whatever and but yeah like you said uh you know when you're in a, va- a valley to remember that well this won't last forever but it also to appreciate it because if you don't appreciate the valleys yeah then you won't appreciate the peaks that's right. right because yeah. then you just become if you all you had is kind of like uh, you know kind of oh, not, not much up, up and there. down it would just yeah you have it like and you see it right you see yeah. people that have everything and they're miserable Every, you know they just get everything given to them whenever they need to and and i mean i don't know i can't relate i i just assume that yeah, yeah. and i hear that um i've never uh I've never i've like, met a lot
0: of wealthy people <laughs> it's funny how many people I've met and some of them are very, very wealthy and especially musicians and stuff like that as well. And producers who, who've had this life of of Riley, you know what I mean? Um, and when they, as we're talking and we, I would talk with some producers and stuff like that. Um, they would be asking about my family all the time and what it must be, how blessed I am because they're seeing something that they don't have. Right. And even I have people that I know uh, close to me, um, that are they have a lot but you can see there's something really missing they don't have something there that I absolutely have I'm a very 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 rich man like uh, there's no doubt I'm, a, I'm extremely wealthy um, it's not piles of gold it's it's gemstones and my kids it's diamonds like my wife it's I'm I'm my mother now lives with us and um, she is an amazing woman has lived a long life and has a very had a very hard life lots of valleys and peaks as well you know Um, but we have her here with us now, and it was a valley that brought her to us, but now that she's here, we're kind of ascending this peak together because we're starting to realize how, how enjoyable it is to have our company, not just because she's my mom, but because there's this, um, synergy that's happening between my wife and my mother and myself and a Mm -hmm. lot of laughing and a lot of goofing off and stuff like that. So there's, there's one of those things where, you know, life takes a loved one away, but
1: laughing at your expense
0: yeah pretty much most of the time yeah but i'm I, yeah she's pretty funny too man i i'm trying to we've taken some videos of her i want to use for promoting my music um but she won't let me yet so i'm, I'm still trying to work on it because she's funny man oh. <laughs> yeah
1: that's awesome you seem like a very grateful person um thank you uh, is that would you say that's born out of your uh your your religion your Pretty religious person, or
0: I was born in a in a very Christian family at a young okay. age. Also, of the young age, of course, born there. Um, so my my mom and dad were ministers, uh, missionaries. So they would travel.
1: Oh wow, okay, uh,
0: yeah. Um, and I spent my time in the church as well. I, I, you know, I am very grateful because I feel like a lot of what's been given to me. There's a real connection to some people, you know, higher power, whatever I call him, God. You know, um, I am a Christian man. I'm just not a religious man. I one thing that I cannot handle is um is the entrapment of things that are meant to be free. Do you know what I mean? And I think a lot of times we put rules and regulations on things that are meant to be very organic. And I think that uh, the world has lost that. And I think Christianity's lost it. If we're talking about that, where people don't really want anything to associate with anymore because it's just so rigid and stifling. And, and for me, it's not about that. For me, it's family. It really is literally how I live in my family. My kids come over, we laugh, we goof off, we play, but we love one another. And I think that in a nutshell for me is religion. Um, I think if we can do that. We're all better off for it. So yeah, born into that kind of an atmosphere. Uh, my dad, like I said, was a musician. Um, so we always had the, the sing songs and the home groups at our houses. And, and that, in fact, that's where I learned to play guitar is with my dad. He would uh, play gospel music and then my mom would preach, you know, in our living rooms uh, wow. in Canada, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it went from there to um, uh, me kind of losing my way a little bit as a teenager, um, uh, in late teens you know I was I love my my parents very much I always try to serve them as best I could um, but then you know you, you get into party mode and this and that and so the guitar went away and all that kind of stuff but then I picked it up again and having had what my dad had shown me never put it down again and been playing for well, 30 years since you know what I mean so started in religion or Christianity I guess you could call it um, and it still shows itself in my music a little bit like you was talking about the grateful thing how could you not be grateful I mean all my my family is healthy. My grandkids are healthy. You know, um, I have a beautiful wife who loves me and puts up with me. I mean, that in itself is a grace. You know I mean? yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, very a lot to be thankful for for sure. Way more to be thankful for than complacent about. You know what I mean? Uh, complaining doesn't get you anywhere anyway. You just got to work. You know, work hard, but one mm. foot in front of the other. Yeah, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's something my wife taught me uh, about the sort of x begets x. I guess is the way I put it, but, you know, positivity for lack of a better word or gratefulness begets more of gratefulness, sure. um, negativity, complaining begets more complaining, you know, type yeah. of thing. So, but at the beginning, it's a choice, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. you can choose what words come out of your mouth. You can choose what your hands do in a particular scenario or yeah. where your feet, you want your feet to walk, right? Like there's always yeah. a choice. So hundred percent. And once you make To know, to understand that when you make a choice to do whatever, that that will sort of, what you know, neuroplasticity and all that. It just your your brain, your brain's always, I think, trying to rewire itself to make your life easier, right? Like it's, you don't want to be in a state of struggle or distress or 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 cognitive dissonance, uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, nobody wants to be in that state for long. So it's always so. If You do positive things, your brain will just kind of rewire to make that easier, and it just Absolutely. kind of your life just becomes that and it becomes easier, right? Yeah, and same yeah. thing with negative like if you complain a lot, your brain just kind of rewires itself to kind of yeah. make that natural and easy, yeah. so it becomes easier and easier to complain.
0: Well, you see perpetually grumpy people, and it's because, yeah, of that thing they've just said so, and then it, it defines
1: your social circles too, right? It so does, now yeah. you have other people that are attracted to that and they you know so then you play off each other and it becomes like almost a positive reinforcement of the complaint and kind of and what you know and i I trying to learn to not judge (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. uh draw or judge less and less so to each their own i think yeah yeah uh negativity has positive value actually um in, in many scenarios uh but yeah, it's just the understanding that our brains will just wire themselves to what you. They, yeah,
0: they, and like you said, they, birds of they, a feather—they, you know, you, they tend to fly together, right? And so you'll have that. And uh, I think, I think what right now we have this is an interesting dynamic too, because with those happy people, grumpy people, grumpy people with grumpy people, happy people with happy people, but we tend to—I think society is like this whole cancel culture thing where, mm. oh, he's a grumpy person put them over there because we're all happy yeah. people so slap you know, a label like, on
1: them and get them out, get them out. of, yeah,
0: sec, yeah. of Instead thing. of finding ways to accept people for where they're at, but constantly trying to continue to, to try and uplift them out of that place. You know what I mean, cause it, it takes a lot of work to take somebody who's sick and make them better. It's not for the faint of heart. You know what I mean? I think that's where the work ethic comes in for in all kinds of aspects of our lives is like, it's not going to be easy being around a grumpy person all the time, but hopefully with enough, um, you know, you know what i mean and work you can make somebody less miserable and and maybe even get to know them enough to find out what's making them miserable in the first place and try to change those patterns like you said right so i think i think you know if we just have a bit more time for one another instead of just going ah we'll just put that person over there we can all do a lot of good that way in fact it's funny the tattoo thing it's is the most um incredible scenario because when somebody's in your chair they're in pain they talk and they talk about the most intimate things. Right. And I have
1: really, this there, wow. oh, it's,
0: a, it's an incredible uh, opportunity to really talk to people. And, um, and I have these, uh, it's therapy sessions. Sometimes it, it's my therapeutic session. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? But most times I find myself, um, being able to offer whatever little wisdom I can muster up or, 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 um, you know, some, uh, what's the word, um, compassion or or try to find a a way out for people while we're talking and they talk about all kinds of stuff and on top of that, like my one of my favorite tattoos to do is memorial pieces and uh, they're for people that lost loved ones and for me I get to sit Mm -hmm. there it's such an honor because they're getting something done for somebody they love very dearly than who's now gone and sometimes a week ago you know if I find out somebody wants a memorial piece and their parents or whatever died a week ago. I clear my schedule for that person because it's an opportunity for, to try and offer some kind of healing. And I've had uh, a young man came in, he, you know, he lost his dad and, uh, and him and his dad were so, so close. This young man was 19. And so he came in and we did this tattoo for him and I, I designed it up for him and, and I did it for him, but the kid was so polite, so respectful. And I was just like, it blew my mind. I was like, wow. I said, man, your dad did a fantastic job on you. You are one heck of a stand-up young man. The kids started to cry. And I was like, Oh my God. So I got, and I'm not a crier, but I had a couple tears as well. But I realized uh, just the the blessing it is for me to be able to do that for that person. and yeah. you can see the hurt he came in with and the sort of a different uh, countenance he left with. It was incredible, and that happens huh. quite often in my shop,
1: yeah, never considered that. It makes total sense that yeah, yeah, like it's probably I imagine, yeah, I guess tattoos a lot of people like what they tattoo themselves with is very meaningful to them right so It's the most very personal sp- thing to them,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Yeah, there's a lot of tattoo artists that miss that opportunity. I think it was, I mean, not all, I know some fabulous artists that are are very sensitive for that as well, but there's a lot who'd rather talk about hockey or, which is not bad or, or, you know, darker things or, you know, listen to heavy metal. And, and that's all great too. Um, but I like the opportunity to just talk and know people. That's pretty fun. I will forget their names in an instant because I have a terrible memory for that, but, it's, <laughs> but I'll know the stories. Right. And, and it's, it's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're there for quite a while, right? Like on average, like, I don't know, like a medium-sized, t- like uh, probably larger ones take days, multiple trips, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Finish. Oh, yeah. But like, you know, an, I don't know, an average one, maybe like like a shoulder or
0: something like yeah, that. Like something here. about a six-inch round, huh? it's, yeah, three hours usually. Three yeah. hours, yeah.
1: So yeah. I wonder if, you know, we're, we live such busy lives and everybody lives such busy lives that that's probably one of the very rare times where they just sit for 3 hours. Yeah. And yeah. do nothing, right? So because yeah. I I meditate and uh you know, I do mindfulness things and stuff like that. Just because I as life got really busy, I had to sort of put an effort and uh you know, use tools to just kind of calm my bring my brain back to kind of a calm state and at least practice that regularly because I yeah, just yeah, feel yeah. like if I didn't, I would just it would just, I would lose it and forget that that's even possible. You know, yeah, like yeah. I kind of relate it to physical exercise. I, I think if you have been out of shape for a very long time, you you've completely forgotten the feeling of being mm-hmm. in shape of, of that feeling of having energy and being like, you know,
0: Yeah. Yeah. springy, you yeah. know, I, yeah. I think
1: you've just forgot so, to the point where like, you almost kind of don't think it's possible like that. Yeah. You know, it's such a yeah, foreign, yeah. foreign idea. And I think it's the same with the brain. Like, I think if you've been super, like, just running, 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 you wake up in the morning, you're on your phone, and that goes for for so long, I think you just forget that feeling of calmness and how much joy. And for me, it's just pure happiness. Like, yeah, yeah. when I go for a mindful walk sometimes or something, like, just listening to the birds. Yeah. Feeling like... Yeah. Uh, there's a sense of connectiveness that you just forget because you you're just all you're doing is running and you're in your head and you're thinking yeah. about this, you're doing this, but thinking about three other things and and you're you know, I for me anyway I find it just they I go through periods of of just kind of feeling feeling uh yeah just burnt out I guess or whatever yeah, yeah. and then you kind of do that and you realize it's just that child thing right like you look at a child and they're they're just walking and all of a sudden they see a flower or a branch or a stick and they just yeah. find it amazing like oh wow and then just yeah, stop yeah, there yeah. and take like a half an hour to you know look at this or examine it or whatever yeah and you realize like as an adult you can still do that you just sure. forget you just mm-hmm. forget right mm-hmm. and i I imagine you get some of that with or a lot of that and when you really deep dive into the stuff that you do, right? Where you, you just what yeah. they call it the flow state, right? You yeah. you just get into that flow state where like yeah. time ceases to exist. Like
0: you're just does. Yeah. Hours will go by, hours and hours will go by and you won't even realize like even uh, you know writing music or recording and stuff like I could spend twelve hours and not even and 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 it'll be dark out. And I'll go. Oh crap! When did it get dark? I can't even. You know what I mean? Like, it literally happens to me. I'll be in this weird state for eight hours, and it was light out when I started. You now it's complete. And kids have come and gone. They're you know what I mean? from home from school. I'm like what? You know, in this complete warp of time. You know what I mean? And I, and I love that. You know, I really do. And yeah. And I think uh, again, you know, just having those those flows but like you said getting out of that because there's I'm, I'm a thinker too like my mind never shuts off I think the only time it shuts off is when I'm sleeping and even then it drives my wife crazy I'll even just start to fall asleep and I'll get a, a song idea well wow, it's so good I'm like because you're right in that middle place I'm like, oh man it's so good but I'm so tired I should just and I was like no I'll grab my phone try to stay in that place and try and record a try and get the melody or a couple of words out or whatever and then I can sleep but It's funny, my and, it, and when I'm awake, my wife will talk to me, and it drives her nuts too. She'll say, Are you listening to me? And I'm just trying to catch a word here and there because I know my mind's already left somewhere else. I'm thinking of some yeah. grandiose idea, of how to save the world or a new, you know, invention or whatever, right? And but she, you know, again, she knows me. She's like, You know, it's uh, she's have a notebook and write all this stuff down because you'll forget it anyway. And you're spending all this time thinking about it for what purpose, unless you write it down or track it, right? So, um yeah. I don't know. I could probably do what you do. I could probably uh, meditate a bit more and clear some of the <laughs> refragment, my brain a little, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I, you probably do. I mean, I th- I think a lot of the work you do is is kind of made it meditative. And yeah, it's fair. Because, yeah. You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's like, that's just a formal way to, I mean,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Of but it, to- when I have people in my chair too, one of the cool things about that and why I think it's so meditative is because it, it doesn't feel good. And, Uh, so I get people to breathe. I give them breathing exercises. So there's six seconds in six seconds out. And so the entire time they're just managing their breathing, managing their pain, but they've got nowhere else to be their brains. Their brain is really just working on being still slowing their heart rate down. So it literally is. And my sessions, I do two a day and they're both, um, on average four hours per session. So I do a four hour, 10 to two, have an hour off and I go to three to six or seven o'clock. Right. So that usually happens every day. It's been like that for eight years now. But that's quite a long time to spend with people. So, even my brain focus wise, it gets sore. Like, it's a lot of focusing for that long, right? Yeah. Um, But I do pieces that are, yeah, I book people in for 12 sessions. It's like, okay, well, you know, we're doing an entire sleeve and another sleeve and a back piece. And so, most of the stuff that I do is quite large. I used to do a lot of smaller stuff, but now it's everybody (laughs) wants a sleeve or a leg sleeve. It's like, it's a lot, man. Yeah. I'm actually forward to, Stepping back just a little bit, doing a little bit less. I want to do one four hour session a day and I'm good. You know what I mean? And then have, yeah. the, have my day to do other stuff.
1: <laughs> I imagine, yeah, it'd be pretty exhausting to yeah, have to focus. And and I mean, you you got you kind of don't want to
0: screw up a person's body, right?
1: <laughs> no, and you're literally putting ink.
0: The funny thing about when I was a painter and um, you know, sitting on canvas, you know, and I love painting on canvas, I'm gonna be painting some more once I have more time, but that's on the surface right so you're painting the surface with tattooing you're painting subsurface you're you're suspending the ink a millimeter in the skin um which is about the thickness of a dime it's got to sit exactly there and then you're also tattooing for not what you see when you're tattooing it for what it's going to heal out a month later so you're trying to think of what's that going to look like in a month from now once the skin does its thing and then the suspension of where it's got to lay in the skin it's the most challenging thing anybody can pretty much ever do it's like yeah watch this i can paint on campus like yeah watch this i can paint under the skin <laughs> i mean it's pretty wild yeah yeah it takes yeah, years wow. to get yeah yeah, yeah but it's, it's a fun thing if you can do it well yeah
1: <laughs> and so was it mostly self-taught for you or did you have a mentor
0: it started out um kind of self-taught like i that was one of the things, like I said, with my dad teaching me so much at a young age and always being with machinery and tools. I mean, I was running routers and table saws at 10 years old. You know what I mean? (laughs) My dad would say I would cut and trim plexiglass and flame polish, all that kind of stuff. So when you have that upbringing around machinery and equipment, you understand how tools are supposed to work. And I remember my dad always said to me, don't force a machine to do what it's supposed to do. It's, It's designed to just, You know, like a palm sander, for example, a lot of people lean on that thing and it doesn't do any good at all. But if you just have the way the machine is the pressure on there, let the machine do the work. So when you have that understanding of machines, same with tattooing, you start to understand how the machine's supposed to work. Okay, it's supposed to do this. This is what it's supposed to do. And you start to feel it and you start to look for signs of how it's supposed to be working, like the way it feels when it kind of pricks in like an apple with a toothpick and then the vibration, the sounds, all that kind of stuff. Um, So I did that and I started getting really good results initially so self-taught initially um and then i worked in hawaii and my family was in hawaii for quite a while and uh, i worked in a shop in hawaii for a bit and just had a mentor john uh, john um, butler killer tattoo guy and uh, really nice family man as well anyway um i tattooed with him for a while when my dad was sick so we stayed over there for six months and i was working at his shop for about six months hey man and i'd watch him you know what i mean and, and just see what he mm-hmm. was doing and then he would come and give me a couple of pointers and it really helped me tremendously but I'd already been tattooing for about a year at that point. So it was really sharpening up on things, which was really Mm -hmm. helpful at the time and then came back to Canada and, uh, it's just ramped up. But so now I have two apprentices uh, that I'm teaching. Um, and it's been a really easy process for them in some ways because they haven't had to learn from all the mistakes maybe, or the lack of knowledge that I had initially. Right. So it went fast for me though. I I think, um, being self-taught for some people is maybe not the way to go, but for a guy like myself, um, uh, you know what I mean? I tattooed myself first. I wanted to get the basics down on myself. So my legs, wherever I could fit. Um, and I found out, hey, you know what? This is actually, some of my first tattoos, honestly, Mike, were huge side pieces. I mean, I might have been six months into the trade and these side pieces held up and they're, and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I'm quite amazed at how I could just figure mm. that thing out. I mean, yeah. we're, but that's, having balls like or courage, I should say, sorry, is just from head to toe, like, oh, I can do that. There's nothing I can't do and do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know do, do you find that starts i imagine i mean part of it's probably genetic you just have that brain of super curious right like you're yeah. super curious you're always like oh i wonder how that works You yeah. know, yeah uh but pr- i just by your description i'm guessing that the way you grew up you were given sort of trust like or yeah. the space to pursue your curiosity like whether it be here you know use use this belt sander to do this or whatever yeah. Yeah by your dad or your parents. So how how much of that do you think impacted you in terms of your ability to pursue your curiosities is the way you grew up?
0: I think that's a really great question. In fact, when you just said that now, I was thinking when I was a kid, my parents were quite um they had a lot of faith that we'd be okay, I think. You know what I mean? Again, from their their Christian roots and their bases in God to having faith. But I remember this time we'd hang off cliffs on ropes. Mike's going, that's kind of cool. They think they're, you know, rock climbers and stuff like that. But I mean, we're like eight, 10 years. I mean, at that time, (laughs) you know what I mean? But we were less, I think in those days, you know, in the seventies and eighties, let's say parents were a little more, um, okay to let their kids explore and chance an injury. Whereas today parents are like, Oh no. And they will bubble wrap their Mm -hmm. kids. So I think Mm -hmm. a great example would be what 10 year old has got a chainsaw? I mean, that's not, you would, who would give a 10 year old a chance but I remember having my first chance that was a little McCullough 50 and cutting fire with my dad, you know, in the bush at 10 years old, or like him showing me how to run up like a joiner, you know what I mean? Planing the edge of plexiglass, you know, at eight, nine years old. And then, you know, by the time I was 10 or 11, I was like, dad, you know, I had, we we're making a menu holders so of plexiglass and I had a stack of stuff to do. And, And they and my parents went out to visit some friends or something like that. I said, do you want me to just finish cutting those pieces? Like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I would never leave my kid that age with a table saw. You know what I mean? mean? But, you know what I mean? But that was the ability for them to understand. And I also think that they could see the skills that they already shown, you know, they could see in a kid. You know what I mean? And I don't know that I would still, even to this day, I don't know if I would give a 12-year-old a a table saw or whatever. but, But I think there's a real dynamic there where today, sometimes this pendulum swung so far where our kids are wearing helmets and bubble wrap. Yeah, and just like they're soft. And not all kids. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know a lot of kids that are like, well, your dad raised you well, you can tell. But there's others who are like, mm, <laughs> the species is in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but my own sons, too, and I did with my own sons, too, is really taught them. I still am very uh, paranoid for them. I want them to be safe. So I kind of maybe a little bit more overbearing than what my dad was with me. Um, but because I want them safe, but I've taught them well, and it was hard on my kids too, you know what I mean? Uh, they said they were going to be somewhere, I said, You got to be there, you know what I mean? Unless you forget completely, like I did with you. <laughs> so, this brings yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think we we can do better, I think, uh, for some people to let kids make mistakes in the first place, um, but then yeah. hold accountable, you know what I mean? So, um, everything's a lesson, I feel like, you know, in life, but that's a great, a great point, though, you know, uh, being younger letting your kids show off what they can do, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I we were immigrants. Uh, my family moved uh, from Poland when I was 10 years old and we, we had to okay. defect actually, cause it was communist. So it was quite a journey for us. Wow. Um, yeah. And yeah, we're, I'm close with my family and all of that. So we've, we have a lot of ups and downs, a lot of challenging years in the teenage years and, you know, adjusting to a new country and all of that yeah but yeah same thing my parents are very let me do my own thing and yeah you know didn't really sort of get in the way or get to I'm I'm definitely way more overbearing with my kids than my parents were and I'm very aware of it so I'm trying to like yeah you know just let them do it yeah I am I find I am hard too on them but part of me is though I, I think that our parents just didn't know what they didn't know. You know what I mean? Like As I think parents, if they yeah. had the awareness of how dangerous some of the things that they let <laughs> us do were, yeah. They wouldn't let us do it. That's it's probably true. Now yeah. we have the awareness because mm-hmm. like social media and all, I don't know, whatever. It's just like there's just so much info and in I think there's a there's kind of a judgment piece that comes to it too like you you potentially much more visible and judged if you kind of let your kids do something unsafe yeah. yeah you know whereas back in the day no one really cared or judged had a you know up. and everybody was doing the same everybody was letting their kids you know like yeah. matches at you know age yeah. or whatever like it was just like ah whatever um, yeah. but now it's you know it's so i think there's like a belonging aspect to like sure I think as humans, we all just generally yeah. kind of want to maintain the status quo as much as we, some of us yeah. less, more than others, obviously. But I think to some yeah. degree, I mean, the sen- that sense of belonging and doing things. Yeah. yeah I, I know, also
0: think too, back in the old days, um, people didn't live near as long, right? So if you had sons, then you might've got 30 years out of those sons, you know what I mean? Or four years. So I think the whole sort of timescale shifted back a decade. So where somebody might start doing things that a 20 year old would do, we're now doing it 10 because they lived a lot, you know, shorter years. And so they would have 10 kids and hopefully five of those kids would survive long enough to really get that farm off the ground yeah. for the next generation. Right. And I think as part of that aspect is still where today is it, we're so safe. We're so with Medicare and uh, you know, people are living longer than they ever have, you know what I mean? So maybe we could actually shift back a little bit, which sounds morbid to, uh, to deal with overpopulation, but, and I think, Partly, I, maybe there's a ramification from overprotection where all of a sudden we have overpopulation happening and this planet going, uh, the natural mm. course of history is no longer taking its course. We've got this human intervention that's keeping everybody alive yeah. for too long. You know?
1: Yeah. I, I kind of feel Mother Nature will inevitably sort of correct us. Yeah. If we get two out of, you know, two, yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah, Kind of in a way, it's almost like, ah, eh, you know, if you feel like, oh, it's going in this direction, where would I, it's yeah. like, oh, Mother Nature will take care of it, you know, <laughs> it mean, might be some th- tough times coming, but.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I think COVID was a good example of how yeah. touch and go it can really be, you know, it's. Uh... It, it, not just with the with the health of, of people but also with the economics it's just the way for me I, it worked out well in the sense of I didn't phase me too much having we had a three-month lockdown here whatever you want to call it a shutdown which I ended up buying a home at the peak of housing costs and all the us during COVID I don't I mean there's another thing to be thankful I'm like I don't know how this happened but I'm I'm quite grateful but man, it was like the whole world was like, "Whoa, and you know what I mean? you know, shortages of this and overpricing of that. And it's just the whole thing just went. And it feels like it has never been the same since. You know things are still yeah. weird, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's just how much we rely on on society. you know, again, the old-fashioned thing you grew your own vegetables and you had to raise your own beef or whatever it is you're into, you know. And now we're so dependent on the, the you know, on big corporations. Um, that us poor humans, man, if, if something like that goes down, we're we're in for a bit yeah. of yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I
1: I I think of I and I think about that as well in terms of like my kids and stuff like that. But then I kind of think back to, you know, I rewind the clock like really far back. And I think to, to myself, if I was a hunter-gatherer, you know, and some traveler from the future were to come and say, Hey, you know, in the future, uh, people will live mostly indoors. They'll rarely experience, you know, the wind. Um, yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll certainly won't understand the stars. They won't. They won't. will have no clue about what any of the flora and fauna mean. And they won't be sitting around fires, you know, every night telling stories, whatever. Like, want to commit suicide, but you know, and be yeah. super like, oh my god, are you, like that's yeah. just a horrible future, right? But I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not upset about not living in the woods or or not (laughs) not know not knowing how to rub sticks to create a fire you know what I mean like so like we've automated that away we don't need like we have so yeah I kind of think about I think us being older um a generation there's always that kind of relating to how we grew up and then being concerned about well this is the way we knew and so if it changes Mm -hmm. then Ever, and, you know, you don't have to know this anymore than, yes, if there's Armageddon, then yeah. the kids, you know, but then it's like, well, but we don't worry about not knowing how to make fire out of sticks. So, yeah, yeah. Right. Because we, yeah. Do- I think the world you're brought into is just that becomes your norm and you that's just go yeah.
0: forward from there. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. for sure. For I sure think that's, I think that's a great point you make too, though. Cause back, I think that's where, you know, these conversations are really good because sometimes it sparks the, the, the thought, like we're not going to be necessarily teaching my kids to rub six together and to hunt for the sake of to survive. But still being able to get together at times um, and on regular occasions, if we can, around a fire, even making yeah. marshmallows, but talking mm-hmm. about things that are skills or, or ways of keeping a little bit of a history that we have in the future, rather than because I know today our kids spend a lot of times on their phone. So they know everything about the Kardashians, they know everything about, you know, Taylor Swift and what they do and the important wh- stuff. Yeah, I could really show you to dance, <laughs> right? But could they could they start a fire? You know what I mean. So it's kind of trying to find that balance, yeah. Of like yeah, yeah. had okay, your screen time, but let's have some let's have some outdoorsy time, right? You know. Yeah,
1: yeah. And there's, I think there's just a straight up uh, anxiety that you can like just just this base level anxiety that you can sort of uh, diminish in mm-hmm. your life by knowing those basic things. Like, sure. Just That's in the back point. of your mind, subconsciously knowing that yeah, you know, if I need to. Yeah. I can start a fire. I can yeah. build something basic, right? Like maybe you won't do that or do it often, but just having the experience of, and knowing, Yeah, I, I think there's some kind of primordial peace that comes with that, sure. knowing that, yeah, if the infrastructure falls apart or even temporarily, like a COVID scenario, I mean, you know, we didn't lose. We didn't exactly go to. kind of it felt, felt like that for a short moments. It like it might go that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But we held it together pretty well, I think. Yeah, thank relatively. God, relatively. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely because we're, we're still animals, right? Like we're, yeah. wire, like from our biological wiring, we're, we're really just still cave people. Um, are, yeah. yeah. You know, and and I think we live in a temperature controlled environment, and mm-hmm. literally one, one degree variation all the time. Yeah. Uh, for the more, you know. For some that go outdoors a lot, maybe not as much, but for many, yeah, um, it's yeah, a wild be, thought, eh? <laughs> we, yeah, like, and so I've, I, I do, uh, cold therapy a lot. Like, I, I take cold showers and, and, have uh, been doing that for a while as a way to just, just, again, just, it's very calming. I mm-hmm. do it before bed because it helps me sleep. Well, uh, but there's something about mechanisms in your body that. Go dormant if they're not exposed to temperature changes, right? You know? And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. so there's all these things like we think we know the human body, but there's still so much we don't know about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's and we're
1: doing. still learning, you know. And and these ba- like like Mother Nature has really constructed us incredibly. God has yeah. constructed us so is we're such an intricate machine. It's
0: detailed, hey? Yeah. Detailed, oh yeah.
1: Intricate machine. My mom was a molecular biologist, and is that right? Yeah, she actually did. She was actually doing RNA research. She's retired now, but she was doing RNA research right up until COVID. So, I mean, I was lucky because I had heard, (laughs) hey, mom, what's going on here? Are these vaccines, you know, are they okay? So she was like, yeah, yeah, just, you know.
0: It's all. See, that's a, that's an amazing thing because I I'm all I love science. I love chemistry. Even in high school, my my teachers were uh, telling me, man, you should be a scientist, You should be a chemist, chemist, and all that kind of stuff. Again, for my dad's so the detailing that I in my mind is to be a constructor, mm-hmm. drawer, inventor. And I and I love and appreciate the scientists and the and the uh, uh, the, the researcher and, and you know the engineer and the architect, those for me, science and mathematicians and and I really gravitate towards towards those intelligent people, right? And there's a huge sect of the population that just doesn't understand that. They, they don't, they yeah. don't have the mind. They're more, Hey, I could rub these sticks together make you a fire and we'll survive from there. But they don't understand the need for, for science as we evolve. So does disease and virus and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and to see um, the way um, people have stepped up in that field to really, to offer protections was amazing. But then to see the, the big hand of the paranoid you know, conspiracy theorists come down and try and squash it out and make everybody else feel yeah. like an idiot for being actually intelligent. Yeah. And it's sorry, it's a big debate for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I say do you know do you? But I just think uh, I'm so grateful for the for people like your mother. You know, in mean, that are, yeah. give their life work to something that actually matters for other people. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah. There was definitely. Uh, uh, I mean, a lot of people were introduced to science and without really having. Just basic understanding of scientific principles, Um, I I think one of the things that people really don't get is just because something is printed and say, well, there was a study and it found (laughs) this. Well, that's potentially completely worthless unless that study met the scientific sort of test or principles like was the sample size big enough. Was it was it was there a placebo, um, you know, mm-hmm. was there a control group um, done properly? Yeah. and and all these types of things, right? and in and in many studies, they, they they're not. And in fact, I think a lot of them are just done on purpose just to publish something. Sure, a, yeah. as part of an agenda, right? So yeah. like science is and my mom sort of illuminated me to this, it's to do science right and to really figure out something deep about life or the universe. Mm-hmm takes a tremendous amount of time and what is time money right yeah, so yeah, yeah. it takes a ton of money to do science right mm-hmm. and so that's why you have a lot of poor science because it's just yeah. <clears throat> not done right not properly so but yet people don't understand like if you read something like i try to tell my kids this and of course they don't want to listen to me because <laughs> teenagers <laughs> now and hey. like, yeah yeah whatever but like you know, when you read something, you either you always have to look at it as it's, uh, it may be the truth, or it may be. I don't even like the word truth. It may be it may have a high probability of being accurate. Yeah, yeah. Or it may not. Yeah. And if it mat, if that piece of information matters to you, then you have to take the time to determine. Yeah. How probable it is that piece of information to be accurate and to see that that you look at the source, you you, you look at, is this information consistent in, in, in other areas other sorts. So there's all sorts of things you can do. Right. But just like having that scientific, and it's not to say you look at everything because some people say, well, you know, they either take one camp or the other, they look at information and go, well, if it's on the internet, it's false. Well, no, not necessarily. There's a lot of very accurate things on the internet, but yes, there's a lot of false things on the internet. So it's just to realize, and and also when people tell you things, right? Well, my friend said this and that. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, I didn't want my kids to think that everything that they're told or their friends—they probably don't know. know, No, none of them probably know what they're talking about, because they may very well know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to remember that until you've taken the time to look into it, right? You have to have always have that that that
0: skepticism a little bit skepticism
1: to know. Well, you know. And sometimes you don't, a lot of times you just don't care, right? You're not going to go yeah. and research and deep dive into everything. You just yeah. don't have time for that. So yeah. if it's not really that impactful to your life or you don't really think, cool. like, well, okay, sounds good, you know, and just go yeah. with that. And Wasn't well, that it.
0: funny though in our society today though, where things that are actually impacting our society, society very negatively are very, are some of the things that are most unresearched things by the average person to, to date ever. So for example, this whole, false news thing and all these misinformation put out there people go oh whatever that's your opinion that's mine it's like and I, my wife and gives me heck sometimes she's like why do you entertain these comments and stuff like that i said babe because if somebody doesn't this this snapperheads going to influence a whole bunch of other snapperheads that think the same way which is going to continue to grow that snowball <clears throat> into this big false reality of where the person who instigated that thing gets his way or her way for whatever the case may be. I said, it's important that if you do see a falsehood out there that sometimes you do step in, if it's impactful, if it can, if it can really affect right. society. Right. For example, <clears throat> you know, the, the misinformation about um, just in politics, I mean, I don't want to get into politics at all, but you know, but you know what I mean? Sometimes you can see the, the, the outcome of what that is being trying to be done as very negative for people. Do you know what I mean? And so if we don't sort of, Step up and say, you know that that's actually false. That's not true at all. Um, I know there was one thing with Joe Rogan in his podcast. He had this thing about um, negative impacts of the COVID vaccine, but his the site where that was counting these um, these reports of negative uh, results from the vaccine was just anybody who had any kind of complaint at all. Like, oh, my brother got the vaccine, he turned into the Hulk, and this guy had four eyeballs. And but even though they were being ridiculous, they were still counted. So he was drawing his numbers from that from that um from that site or whatever and so he's saying oh yeah 30 percent we're getting you know ill effects it's like well actually not really because <laughs> of that yeah. thing you described 29 percent were four eyeballs nine legs you know turn into the hulk and so forth so uh, i you know I, I agree i um being accurate and having a loose lip to put false information out there is on us all to be honest and, and that's what you said about truth and honesty i think that's a, a key is that if it's not true and if it's not right and if it's not a good thing you know what i mean then rather just keep your mouth shut you know what i mean then feed this yeah. machine that's really doing us all a lot of harm because you're seeing like nurses being spit on and doctors being shunned and yeah. politicians being rocks thrown at them i mean there's some politicians yeah. I of, but it's not my place to throw rocks at them no, you know I mean? it's my place to vote you
1: know? yeah and yeah. i mean i always try to remember that these people work a lot of hours yeah and to to do this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Whereas, yeah, I might not like their decisions or even like them as a person. Yeah. But to go out there and spit on them and get like, Yeah. But go and like my wife actually reminds me of this when I sometimes when I complain. I don't know, some member of the public, maybe politician or something, she's like, <laughs> Well, you could you could go run for counsel. You could do I'm like, Yeah, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. You're right. That's like, right. And enough. but that's that's it, right? Like if you're annoyed with something go do something about it all right yeah. or don't complain mm-hmm. um you know and yeah I mean, we all want it's nice to vent yeah. here and there but uh, sure I, sure I was yeah. I'm 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 I think earlier on in my life I was big on this idea that venting is healthy that's what I would call complaining is venting well I'm just venting
0: <laughs> yeah it sounds better and,
1: <laughs> yeah and then I met my wife and she doesn't do that and then so we we would live in this kind of dichotomy of I would do that she would never do that Mm -hmm. and I kind of almost would look at well you know you should just vent sometimes it's healthy right but then (laughs) she kind of made me realize that well what you're actually doing is this whole x begets x like the more you vent quote unquote it's just negative ranting the more your brain just wants to do more of that and then you're just like a miserable person it's addictive right Mm -hmm. and so I realized oh shit like Mm -hmm. thing's I think venting is like drinking alcohol or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. having a drink once in a while, no problem. But man, if you got to drink, have a drink every day or to wake up or you need five drinks a day, like same thing yeah. with venting, right? Like if you have yeah. an event yeah, five times a day or every time you meet people, like no, no good.
0: No, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so I've got uh, some rapid fire
0: questions to throw at you. And okay. um, I like being self-employed because it makes me free i i'm i make all my decisions for myself i'm accountable to myself and how much i make or don't make is completely dependent on how much i work or don't don't work so and i love my free time so i'll work my ass off to have the time to be free so
1: toughest part of being self-employed is
0: being self-motivated and driven um and not uh being distracted by too many of the things so that you can uh, stay focused to make enough money in what you're doing. So that's that's a very tough thing to do is to stay focused uh, and know that um, if you're not driven, you're going to go hungry. So it's to mm. stay motivated, stay driven, stay in a place where um, you're constantly finding the work, but also finding the balance of not taking on too much work that you can't see the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? Taking off enough, ch- that I got to buy off smaller chunks so that I can get through it rather than this huge, you know, massive chunk that I tend to take on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 It's it's a constant kind of everyday balancing act, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been in times where you struggled with being motivated and driven?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm by nature, very lazy. I mean, I, I I could, I could watch TV movies to four in the morning and get up, you know, when a saunter out of bed at 10 AM and have some raisin toast and draw a little picture and kind of fart around and, get nothing done and be completely happy about it. But I know that that animal cat has to be kept in the cage, man, because if he's let out. He's going to be uh, taken over. But so it's very difficult for me to stay motivated and driven. Uh, so it's a daily choice. I get up and I go, okay, if I just put that foot in front and then the next foot in front, if I told you right now, everything that I have on my plate right now, you'd be like, that's insanity. But I get through it all just because I'm putting one foot in front of the other and staying motivated and seeing the prize at the end of the, end of the job. You know and I mean, so, um, for example real quick uh was just in the studio gonna release the single i'm building a music studio right now we're in the control room which is a real mess but i've got a live room that's just behind us there as well the tattoo shop the drawing till two in the morning raising two apprentices building a suite for my mom (laughs) and in (laughs) last suite. (laughs) wow and then also you know um taking my granddaughter to preschool and all that there's a lot going on but it's just okay that next task that next task that next task and just becomes a rhythm and just stay in rhythm stay in step with it. <laughs> right. The yeah. rhythm.
1: What does, uh, what does work-life balance mean to you?
0: Oh man. See that I'm not really good at that. <laughs> I think work-life balance is uh, man for me is to have qual. I got to be better at this. So I'm not saying that I am good at this, but I'm thinking um, the time that I do have outside of work in my life with my wife or my kids or my grandkids is to make those as quality as possible because there's not a lot of it. And the balance is being attentive and professional and uh, conscientious for my clients or whatever I'm doing in business is super important being, you know, that guy, but then also being tender and quality for the people that I love the most is more important than the other thing. And if I want to survive in the business world, I got to have that, that integrity But the same integrity towards my family has to be, if I want to be a good family Mm -hmm. man, I need to have the integrity of loving fully and being fully attentive when they're speaking. And to be honest, I suck at sometimes, you know what I mean? Because it's like, I'm not listening because there's so many work things going on. So I need to just (laughs) go, balance is when work's off, shut it off. No more about work. Let's talk about dance or whatever the kids are into. or You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The little Jeep that needs charging so my grandson can ride around my yard, stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, quality and integrity, yeah. Yeah,
1: Oh, that's yeah The focus focus is yeah yeah big. Uh favorite mental health hack? Mental health hack.
0: If wow. you have one. <laughs> Dude, that's a good one. I a mental health hack is really just to be uh, think about the things that are um we're talking about the valleys uh, peaks and valleys sometimes the mental health is when you're in a valley look up you know what i mean if you're looking at your feet you're always going to be deeper because Mm. there's always going to be cracks and things you know but if you just look up you'll see the mountains i lived in banff canada for a while Banff, alberta and if you're looking at the ground you're missing all the beauty around you as soon as you look up whoa and now you want to climb the mountain because you see mount rundle that thing's beautiful i really want to be at the peak of that thing and it starts to make you I think nobody ever wanted to climb a mountain they couldn't see from a distance. You know what I mean, from the Valley, like you only want to climb a mountain that you can actually see how grand that is. If you're halfway up the mountain, you're facing to the mountain. You're never going to want to climb that mountain. You're on, you just think, man, this thing's kind of steep. But when you get down the Valley, you look up, man, like, like Ooh, that's a challenge. I want to take that challenge on. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's it right there. Yeah. That's my mental health hack is to just look up.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great, yeah. That's a great tip. Um, uh, Apart from using booked in the best scheduling software in the world, 100%. of course. Uh, what is what is your best scheduling
0: tip? Oh, marry a great woman, because <laughs> <laughs> I suck at that administrative stuff. Point. Yeah. No, she's amazing at it. So delegate, uh, guess, basically. Yeah. To yeah. So the best scheduling tip would be uh, just set a good reminder. You know, I mean, obviously, and I got to apologize again. For some reason, I just, and I, and I swore because the night before we were supposed to have this podcast before I literally went to my phone and went, okay, making sure it's there. And I did, but then it never, it never, it never let me know. You know what I mean? Which is weird. Mm-hmm. I, and that was my, that was my stock app. I should have just used the book in book, the not want to, <laughs> thing, right? yeah. which is ironic. That's not what happened. <laughs> yeah yeah but honestly yeah no book is a great app for i mean it reminds me and stuff reminds my clients my clients come in every time they're like, oh, that's really good app you got there it sends reminders and notes on how to take care of my skin before we've got it all dialed right so oh nice but a good wife too is 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 helpful or a good administrator whether you're a woman or a man yeah when this can help <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: well that's that yeah that's great advice all right Joel thank you so much for again this is a fantastic conversation I really yeah, enjoyed meeting pleasure. you and uh, and chatting with you um uh, yeah thanks very much
0: Yeah and anytime Mike you know what I mean uh and like I said that that write that you did uh before um uh, on the social media there I really appreciated that it was really well thought and it was funny cuz people will write stuff or give you a review or something that at times and it's very surface you really you really touched on a lot of cool things there so you're oh, a okay Many talents as well. That's for sure. I'd love to see <laughs> you yeah. again with me. Maybe in, in a future, I'll keep up to, up to date on what happens with the single or whatever, and we can talk again if you'd love.
1: Yeah. I would love to do that for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah let's do this again sometime. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. All right, man. Okay. Thanks, Thank you so Joel. much. Yeah, okay. cheers. Bye. Take care. Okay, bye. And that's a wrap. I hope our discussions today have given you some insights, inspiration, or even just food for thought. Whether it's navigating the world of business, championing mental health, adapting to remote work, or keeping up with the latest tech trends, remember, every challenge is a gift, an opportunity to learn more about yourself, others, and the world around us. I want to extend a big thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. Your support truly means the world. If you found value in today's conversation, please consider sharing this podcast with a friend or leaving us a review. It helps more people discover these stories and insights. I'm Mikey Vashu signing off for now. Stay
0: curious, stay resilient, and I'll catch you in the next episode.